Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is January 8th, 2023. Hopefully this podcast finds you well, in good spirits, with high hopes. Um, Let's see, for me, not much going on. Pretty muted weekend. Uh, Pretty much just stayed in. Um, I did eat some canes. That was pretty good. Eating like just various fast food. As per usual, um, but yeah, nothing too major. It's it's a it's a really low key lazy Sunday, um, so we can just go ahead and get into the news. Let's see, um, from CNN, South Carolina's six week abortion ban struck down by state supreme court. Um, so this was some good news, you know, you know, at least from my opinion, um, where I'm where I'm where I'm standing, looking at it. Uh, South Carolina State Supreme Court ruled Thursday that the state's six-week ban on abortion violates the state's constitution. Um, this was a 2021 law that um, more or less was dealing with like the fetal heartbeat, and they were saying around four weeks, more commonly six weeks into the pregnancy, um, if we have that, then um, you shouldn't be allowed to have the abortion, which is a really critical thing. Um, they did have exceptions for, um, fetal out, um, amorality, wow, I'm getting slayed by this word, anomalies, (laughs) anomalies, (laughs) I guess it's been too long to see that in in print, man, okay, and said it out loud, anomalies, I was thinking abnormalities, and it's like, that's not that, (laughs) um, but yeah, and also risk uh, risk to the life of the mother, or in some cases, rape or incest. So, I mean, that's a very traditional thing. And, it, and it, it's crazy how bad it's gotten that, like, you're almost happy to at least see that they're, like, including that. Like, hey, if this happened to you, then, like, you can at least have your abortion. Because there's some places that are like, no, no way, no how. This is God's plan. <laughs> Which is insane. But, um... Let's see. I'm going to read some more. In a 3-2 ruling, the court concluded that the law ran afoul of the state's constitution's privacy protections, with Justice Kane Her- K. Hearn writing in a lead, in the lead opinion that the state constitutional right to privacy extends to a woman's decision to have an abortion, which, hell yeah, snaps. <laughs> we fuck with that. Um, and there's some more here. Um, then there, you know, there's some people who are dissenting to it. The uh, actually South Carolina's Republican governor, Henry McMaster, McMaster blaster. (laughs) Um, he, um, opposed it. Um, and he said a statement, the court has found a right in our constitution, which was never intended by the people of South Carolina, which I don't know. (laughs) I guess you'd have to get down there and do some polling to figure that out. Um, let's see here. Uh, with this opinion, the court has clearly exceeded its authority. The people have spoken through their elected representative multiple times on this issue. I look forward to working with the General Assembly to correct this error. Um, but, you know, naturally the Biden administration stoked on that. Yay. Even though we're about to get into the Biden administration, uh, in the next bump. 
Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I was stoked to hear about this. I think it's, you know, good and welcome news. Um, you know, I, I, I get that there's going to be some push and pull on this kind of stuff, but I think you can have more sensible, practical policies at the very least, um, that give women at least a chance to figure things out, like figure out, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. And, um, you know, I would like to exercise my right to not have this baby. Um, I don't know, call me crazy. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's going to be something that we're going to be talking about just as much this year. Um, you know, but because that's that's the thing. I mean, with a Supreme Court ruling, it really just does go down to state to state and they battle for it and how, you know, how hard they want to restrict it or how little, you know. So here's that. Um, like I said, we're talking about Biden, talking about the administration. Um, let's see from Yahoo News. Biden seeks to slow migra- migrant surge with new parole policy. Now, I got to say, I personally do not like this policy at all. I think this is one of those lukewarm bullshit things that the Biden administration has become so good at doing that they come out and they say something, they do a thing, and the Republicans get to pounce on them for it. And then Democrats are like, this isn't doing anything. This isn't helping me. This isn't helping anything. And they don't support it. And it just makes everybody fucking mad. And then not to mention, it's still usually a morally apprehensible thing. Um, but let's see. Also, to clear some things up, he was going to El Paso. I know in the previous episode I was saying he was going to make a statement and do some stuff. He is also going to like the North American Leadership Conference thingy that they're doing. Um, but I believe that's going to be this week. It's coming up this week. Whereas he was in El Paso, I believe, like Friday. Um, he was shaking hands with Greg Abbott. Um, let's see, let's see. We'll go ahead and read a quote right off the right off the bat from the man. Do not, do not show, uh, do not, do not just show up at the border. Um, stay where you are and apply legally from there. So essentially, this is a plan where he wants. Um, it's it's three. It's sorry, I keep getting this number mixed up when I say it. Uh, Thirty thousand migrants a month, um, and it's from four countries. Um, let's see, Nicaragua, Cuba, Haiti, and, um, let's see, it might be Venezuela. Um, but, um, let's see. And essentially it's like this parole thing where you're supposed to be able to apply and you're supposed to apply from your country where you are, but you have to have a sponsor in America and, um, Let's see. I mean, they have, um, let's see. You undergo a background check find, and then find a sponsor. Um, and then I think you're doing this all through an app and you have to like have the app. And then like pretty much when you get to the border, the way they're going to sort people out is like, hey, do you have this parole policy and stuff set up? And if you do, then they'll process your asylum. Um, if you don't, then they're just going to keep doing this Title 42 loop bullshit where you get more or less processed back. Um, I think you're essentially put on a watch list or whatever, and, you know, you can potentially, like, face jail time and stuff like that, but, I mean, the problem with this is, is you're only going to get so many people who are going to meet this criteria. Um, there are plenty of people who are going through dire situations, and they want to get out of their country, they want to find this better life, and they're going to make the trek, they're going to make it happen, 
Um, I mean, I haven't really covered it, but I know there's some shit going down in Florida where there's been like, you know, a, a big amount, a large amount of migration and people are like stuck in this area that's like, um, gosh, um, it's just like a really bad area because it's hard to like access and it's bad weather or something like that. So it's been a really, and of course it's in Florida where you have like DeSantis and I mean, he's already doing this busing bullshit and, you know, along with Greg Abbott. Like, obviously, they're doing things that are really not advantageous for, you know, for migrants. They are very anti. They want Biden to have a really harsh, strict thing, which this isn't anyway. Um, it's, you know, quote unquote, supposed to be like enough to like say, hey, we're giving people an option to come. But really, it's just you're saying, hey, this is something you can go through these hoops and loops. Um, let's see. you know read a little bit more here um something this article brought up that was kind of surprising to me i think it is the mayor of um not mayor i'm sorry um the governor of colorado he's a democratic governor um he announced that he would devote five million dollars to help bus migrants from denver where they have been recently arriving in droves to new york a move swiftly announced by uh, Mayor Eric Adams, who is also a moderate Democrat. And I'm like, that's such a weird backbiting move to fucking make. Um, I was very surprised to hear that from a Democrat. Um, but I mean, it is very on the nose in a lot of ways where you see any kind of moderate Democrat go, oh, well, I got to do things that are right for my people and my constituents or whatever. And the next thing you know, they're just doing some shit that just isn't cool for, you know, actual human roles or whatever. Um, even though, like, that's kind of what the Democratic Party is supposed to be labeled and you know, looked at as. Like, yeah, we're for the people. We're for people's rats and all this bullshit. But that's not really the case here when you're looking at, like, people like Jerry Polis. Um, so it's definitely a bummer. Um, there's been more of those busing situations that I really haven't covered um, there's just been, in my opinion, bigger news and not to mention it's just sad and like, there's not much that can be done. I mean, when Greg Abbott sends a bus of migrants to Kamala Harris's house, I imagine the situation gets dealt with quote unquote as best as it can, but like he's doing that for clicks anyway. So I don't fucking know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't feel like the situation is looking too bright. Title 42, like I mentioned earlier, is still going to be in effect. The Supreme Court has more or less said, no, you got to keep that in place. Even if if it's not, you know, it's taken out, um, it's kind of been proven and shown that Biden's just going to lean on other shittier titles, um, I think like Title 8 or whatever, that are just going to make this hard. It's not going to make this easier for people to get into the country. Um, you know, I get it. You want to... You know, my you know, immigration is a fear. It is it's, it plays on that whole nativist vibe bullshit. People are scared. You, I think there's a lizard brain behavior to always be like isolationist, worry about your own shit. But we are a country that is literally called the melting pot. You know, the world like we are supposed to be taking you know the tired, the hungry, all that fucking bullshit, right? That's that's the line. That's the tag. That's us. That's the brand. So it, it's crazy that we have such a bullshit policy for taking in people. Um, and, you know, our last president literally was trying to build a wall, thinking that was going to fucking do anything. Um, 
And we're looking at this current administration and they honestly haven't gotten too much farther away from that. So um, that to me is a black eye on Biden's administration. I'm going to keep saying that shit. Um, I highly doubt they're going to come up with anything better, which is also very fucking sad. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and roll on. Uh, from BBC News, Lulu, Lula, Lula vows to punish Brazilian Congress invaders. So, I mean, this took place today. Um, I'm clocking this like 30 minutes from today. Um, shit's wild. Motherfuckers are just loving to do this shit in terms of like the January 6th style shit. Like, oh man, our guy didn't win, you know, or he didn't win. So we got to fucking go crazy. Um, but let's see, uh, Brazil's president, Luis Inacio Lua da Silva has vowed to punish supporters of the country's ex-leader, Jair Bolsonaro, after they stormed Congress. Also, if you're wondering, well, where is uh, Bolsonaro in, you know, right now? Last time I clocked, where I, where I found out where he was, this was like last week, he was at a KFC, I believe in Florida. He's like hanging out with like a friend, supporter dude, like an MMA guy in the States, and he's laying low. Um, but meanwhile, things are heating up, you know, in Brazil. People, and, and people have like, it's died down. Um, you know, people were, you know, essentially kind of, like, you know, camps are packing up and things of that nature after um, Lula's um, inauguration. But uh, essentially they came back out in force and, you know, were able to literally push to the capital, break windows. You see this huge, I mean, I have it on the middle thumbnail. Excuse me. Um, just, uh, just throngs of people. Um, I mean, it's eerie. It's scary. It's, I don't like this is a common thing. And I mean, I I wouldn't say, oh, it's new. It's not new. You go through history, you see unrest all the time. Um, the scale is different. The recording is different. It's weird to see like live coverage and shit of that. But I mean, that's just where we are now. That's, that's, that is, um, life and technology at the same time. I don't know, but, um, it's a shame because it's not like this does anything. It's just doing damage for nothing. In my opinion, supporting a bad candidate who was not really supporting you at the end of the day, but I I get it. At the end of the day, these are people who believed in what Bolsonaro was selling and not seeing Bolsonaro there is heartbreaking. Even though you have someone like Lula who in his administration was doing good things, um, you know, wound up you can say like ousted whatever but i mean there's definitely a little bit of gray in terms of like what he was convicted on i mean naturally he was out of it and you know that was overturned he was allowed to run um but i I mean people i think are just hurt they're they're scared because it's not looking like things are going to be rosy um under lula like things are bad inflation is high you know money is low um that's once again a worldwide thing and and that does stir the pot in terms of the unrest um so yeah it's definitely sad to hear um i haven't excuse me gotten an update in terms of you know if like they might still be in the building that like shit might still be active but um it doesn't look like anything's like gonna come of come from this or anything like that you know the military the police are still doing what they're doing um so, yeah, you know, that's happening. Um, if there's any more updates there, you know, I will put it on the pod. 
Uh, let's see here. The next I got from the Daily Press. This was a teacher story, school story, shooting story. It's, it's sad that those are becoming more and more common. Um, let's see. Six-year-old boy shoots teacher at Newport News Elementary School, police say. So um, I don't believe the name of the teacher or the student was put out. But um, there was an altercation, and um, I guess it winds up in the six-year-old pulling out a handgun and shooting the teacher. And I believe they are—they were shot. Um, they're critically wounded. I believe it was like they were shot in like the stomach or something like that. It does seem to be isolated, like into just that event. Um, they were able to come in, get the. Um, you know, apprehend the student. There wasn't like any fighting or anything like that from what I've seen. Um, you know, no other students or like no one else was injured. So that's good. Um, but yeah, it does look like they have um, the, the woman, the teacher has uh, life strength, life threatening injuries. Um, and it's just really sad to hear that. I mean, this is a six year old kid. Um, you know, obviously kids shouldn't have access to a firearm like that, period. Um, I, I think we could all agree no matter what side of the conversation you are about guns and that, but, um, just really sad and disturbing that like, damn, like that this was able to unfold this way. Um, you know, I hope that the teacher, you know, pulls through, um, this took place, I believe Friday, last Friday, um, but yeah, uh, student or teachers, sorry, parents came out and um, you know were waiting to get their kids and stuff like that. Um, naturally, you know that's a lot of anxiety. You know, last year we had the Uvalde shooting. You just never know. You hear one update, that's that. But you don't know when you get there if things have gotten worse somehow or whatever. So good that there wasn't anything else that transpired other than just that. But you know. Definitely condolences, thoughts, prayers, what have you, to the teacher. Hopefully, they pull through. Um, and, and this thing is so so fucking rough. Um, I'm gonna get into another. Um, well, actually, let's we'll go ahead and get into it. I'll do my whole summation on teachers here because this is kind of a double dose on teacher news. Um, let's see, this is from NBC News. <coughs> Excuse me. New Jersey art teacher allegedly overdoses on fentanyl in front of middle school students. Frank Thompson, 57, was found unconscious and unresponsive on the classroom floor. Uh, this was on November 29th, 2022, and this is according to police. So this was an art teacher. Um, and I know I shouldn't be making light of really bad dark shit, but I'm like, man, Damn it, dude. I feel like the top, the worst people, the worst teachers for something like this, you don't want to hear the art teacher and you don't want to hear the English teacher. I feel like those are like the, the top two. And I'm like, this is like the worst guy. Like, no. And I, I mean, I guess he was Frank Thompson, 57. Um, he was charged on Thursday with possession of a controlled dangerous substance, possession of drug paraphernalia and endangering the wealth, the welfare, the welfare of children in connection to an incident that occurred in November 2022. Um, so, I mean, once again, I'm glad that no one else was involved in terms of like the negative here other than the teacher. Um, good that no one else was hurt. 
things of that nature. But I, it's it's definitely sad. Um, but to, I guess to kind of sum things up in some ways, it's it's crazy to be a teacher and you come in not knowing whatever the fuck's going to happen. People could hate you because you've decided how to live your life because you want to be this way or that way. And, you know, oh, that's not allowed. You can't talk about that. You can't be that. You can't express that. Uh, or you come through and you're just trying to literally get through your class and you don't know if you're going to be fucking blown away that day or one of your students is going to be blown away that day. Now, obviously, in the situation with the Frank Thompson guy, that's unacceptable. That's no fucking good. Um, definitely something like, you know, heroin, well, fentanyl, which is crazy that fentanyl is like the new heroin. Um, you know, doing that shit is never good. Like, no. Um, that being said, you're doing it while you're on the job and your job is taking care of kids. That's that's wild. That's insane. Like, I, it's one of those things where that's never okay. If you're getting to these places, you definitely got to get help. You know, you got to get that shit worked out. Um, man, there was this crap. I'm trying to remember the movie. I wish I had a chance to play for time here. Um, well, let me see if I can look it up. Ryan Gosling teacher movie. God, I love fucking Google. Half Nelson. Oh my gosh. This movie, so fucking good. Honestly, top five Ryan Gosling movies. Um, he's like a teacher, um, who literally has like a drug addiction problem. It's like in the first like five, ten minutes or whatever, you see him like literally doing drugs in the bathroom. Um, it was like Bad Teacher, like the Cameron Diaz movie, but like it was real and raw. So I really fuck with that. Um, once again, not trying to sit there and say and advocate for drug use um, like this or whatever. You got to have a sharp mind, you know, when you're handling, you know, people's children, like period. Like this is an important job. There's reason something like this is just fucking essential. Um, but yeah, um, hopefully that guy gets some help. Hopefully he's okay. You know, um, let's see. Let's see. We're gonna close it out here. I'm gonna take my little break. Like I like to do. Oh, yeah. Okay. Whew. Um, from NPR. Jin Shah, real, lives, um, real Housewives star, sentenced to six and a half years for telemarketing fraud. So, um, you guys know me. I'm a sucker for a good fraud story. Um, I initially picked up this beat, actually, listening to Sinisterhood. Um love plugging that podcast it's amazing um two women they love talking about either occult stuff they talk about like historical happenings and things of that nature they'll talk about lost things um and they do really good breakdowns because one of them um has like like loyal lawyer experience what's the word uh legal paralegal experience legal experience whatever um so Something like this they wound up getting into, and it is a story of Jennifer Shaw. Uh, she's a cast member of Bravo's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which I got to say, I'm not a Real Housewives fan, but I am a sucker for reality TV. So that's another ding for me. So we got fraud. We got reality TV. 
Um, I will say one of the cool things, one of the big draws to me about Real Housewives is they do amazing reunion episodes. And if you're not familiar with what like a reality show reunion episode is, essentially you go through and you watch all this crazy drama. It's a huge buildup. You're getting all this narrative fed to you episode to episode to episode and you're like oh my gosh that's so crazy and if you've been watching week to week you're like man i wonder how that all shook out and you know of course you know time has you know gone by you know everything now that's all been shot so naturally they're gonna either do a live reunion or they're gonna do like a reunion just ready for you and like i said um real housewives series is really good at that anyway Jinsha, um, she was a, you know, cast member, like I said before. Um, she actually, like, literally gets arrested on the series. Like, um, I think it's, like, a bit of B-roll or whatever. But, because, um, like I said, I'm not, I haven't, I didn't watch it. I'm kind of getting this from a little bit bird feeding you here from what I learned from the podcast. But essentially, she gets a call from one of her assistants or whatever, like, hey, yo, they're coming. And essentially, she, like, unmikes, leaves, and the next thing you know, the feds are there where she was, and then they wind up arresting her. So, you know, she doesn't even get away. But, um, you know, essentially, what she was accused of doing, um, she was in a scheme um, involving, essentially, scamming, um, thousands of dollars from elderly and vulnerable people. Um, that's from the Justice Department. Um, she did plead guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud in connection with telemarketing. Um, and then let's see, there's some other stuff here. Um, the judge also ordered her to pay more than $6.6 million in restitution and forfeit $6.5 million, um, and then 30 luxury items and 78 counterfeit luxury items. Damn, she is a hustler. Um, also, in terms of her breakdown of what she does, like, what she was doing, because, like, they'd have, like, um, you know, like, little confessional type things where, like, she's, like, they break down what she does. Even in one of the reunions, the host is like, hey, could you, like, say what exactly it is you do? And she more or less just has this very circular way of talking. And it, it is very much like a grifter where she's like, you know, I, I do a lot of this and I do a lot of that. And it's almost like consulting or something to that effect. But essentially, like, she improves people's lives and brands and, you know, doing all these kind of work that she does with her and her assistants because she had... Not just one guy, I believe one of the mains was Stuart Smith, but there was like other assistants that had assistants and all that. Um, essentially, they were all a part of her team and like she just does all this work and that's how she makes all this money and that's how she's on the show. Because, you know, to be a real housewife, you had to have a lot of money, like either from your husband or yourself or whatever. Also, I believe her husband was a lawyer who then became a football coach and that's obviously a part of the series. So it's like they both have money. Um, I'm not sure he was involved in this. Um, also, in terms of her top assistant, he is involved in terms of, I believe, the indictment. But I don't have um, his sentencing. I don't think that's out yet. Um, so, I mean, this is a big deal. Um, I especially hate a grift like this because you're taking advantage of, um, you know, the elderly 
Um, it really sucks. I mean, these people didn't even have emails, a lot of these people. So it's like, damn, like, what the fuck? Like, you're setting them up for this thing that they can't even use. And not to mention, it's not even a real thing. It's not going to help them. It's not going to make their lives any better. Um, it's just a grift. And um, really sad that that fucking happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can kind of read a little bit. These individuals were lured in by false promises of financial security, but in reality, Shah and her co-conspirators defrauded them out of their savings and left them with nothing to show for it. Um, that's according to the U.S. attorney, Damien Williams. Um, but let's see. From Priya Chandri, Shah's attorney, um, the reality star said that she deeply regrets the mistakes that she has made and is profoundly sorry to the people she has hurt. Um, I'm sure she fucking is. <laughs> sorry. Um, <clears throat> that's all we got. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Um, if you'd like to contribute to improve, make better, to enrich and become closer, get closer, oh, get closer. Um, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Isaiah News. Um, essentially it gets you Discord access, gets you access to bonus episodes that I make every week. Also gets you, um, a shout out on the podcast and you get to plug something if you'd like. So that's always nice. Um, free ways to contact me are IsaiahNews1 at gmail.com and I have socials all over Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Um, so yeah, you can find me if you'd like. Um, and hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.